All right, it's Greg in for Kelly. Uh, welcome to the show. The latest on uh, COVID-19, of course, it's, uh, a positive test in Sudbury from a gentleman who was in his, who's in his 50s, who was at a conference here in Toronto over the weekend, which had 25,000 guests and speakers and staff, etc. So you see where this goes sometimes. Gas prices as well we'll get into after uh, 10 o'clock. But what about the markets? Is this the first non-volatile day we have? Monday, a ton of losses. Worst day on the market since 2009, south of the border and here in Canada. Uh, all that was uh, was a big, big factor. So it, there's a considerable, considerable uh, concern about where it all goes. And that's going to be the case probably for the near future. Uh, personal finance journalist uh, and contributor to Global News. She was on the morning show earlier today. Rabina Ahmed Hawk joins me in studio. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. What about the, uh, it's it's impossible to predict. This would be like predicting sports. It's really tricky, and you wouldn't want to put your own money on guessing what the market does in the next 48 hours. But, but what are the biggest questions in your mind of the week to come financially, both in this country with the TSX and south of the border with the Dow Jones? What are you looking for in terms of trends? Is, uh, it, is it impossible to guess? You know, I think the one thing we can absolutely guarantee is volatility. So just like we saw on Monday, we saw this tremendous day on the markets where the Dow Jones lost more than 2,000 points. Um, and then again, yesterday, we saw the markets come back, including the TSX, Dow Jones, S&P 500. Um, we can expect a lot of that to come. I just saw a headline on TV saying, is the volatility over? It absolutely is mm-hmm. not. A coronavirus is still an absolute uh, 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 threat to the economy. Uh, we still have an election looming in the United States in, in the next six or seven months. And uh, we know that the bull market that we've seen for the last 11 years across the globe eventually has to slow down. And this could be the catalyst uh, that starts that. And now with Saudi Arabia flooding the world with oil and Canada, especially being a country that is so dependent on the price of oil, um, we can see absolutely more volatility um, in, in the markets. Let's let's start with that. the oil stocks. Are people, uh, are investors getting in on oil stocks right now? And, and is it a time to do so given... I, you know, we're going to see gas potentially, potentially if there's another drop, we're going to see gas in the 80s. And I, I don't think uh, per liter, I don't think we've seen that for decades. I could be wrong. I'd, I'd have to go back even before 9-11 when there was a, a drop in the price of oil. Um, but I don't think we have in, in ages. Are people getting in on oil stocks or should they? I think you have to be very cautious if you're going to be buying oil and gas right now. Just as today, Saudi Arabia announced they're going to be putting another 1 million barrels of oil into the market. So increasing their production from 12 million barrels barrels a day to 13 million barrels a day. That's again going to decrease the price of oil. Um, Already in Canada, uh, companies in Alberta are saying it's simply unaffordable for us to even produce oil because at that that level, uh, it makes no sense for them economically. So we're going to see layoffs in that part of the country. We're going to see decreased profits for those companies. So if you are buying um, oil and gas stocks today, I would say you definitely have to be playing the long game. Um, So that means five years, maybe even beyond that, where eventually oil prices will uh, come back and you might see some profits, but do not be trying to trade money and make money in this market because you are more likely to lose. I was living in the States then, um, but when SARS happened in 2003-2004, remind our audience and and tell me, because it would certainly educate me, what effect did that have on our Canadian markets when SARS happened in 2003-2004? And we obviously saw conferences canceled, businesses have to, businesses go through a real tough time in, in the city of Toronto. 
So the difference between SARS and coronavirus, and I too wasn't living in Canada at that mm-hmm. time, but SARS, the biggest impact was on tourism in Canada. So Canada, especially Toronto, just got a bad rap around the world. A lot of people were afraid to come here because they thought they were going to get SARS. But SARS, because it was um, isolated to certain areas around the world, those areas, yes, their local economies definitely suffered with conferences being cancelled, with, with business uh, leaders not wanting to come here and make connections. Uh, but it wasn't a global phenomenon. The coronavirus, because of where it originated. Uh, China, often we call it the warehouse of the world. Mm -hmm. So supply chains are disrupted. One of the biggest consumers of the world, which is the Chinese consumer, is not buying anything. So oil prices, even before Saudi Arabia, what they did, were lower because Chinese uh, drivers are simply not driving. And that is definitely bringing um, prices down because not as much oil is being consumed. Um, And then parts for things like automobiles, your phone, um, certain food products that we buy in the grocery store every day that we don't even think about nuts, apple juice, uh, things that, you know, we don't even think, where do they come from? We just buy them and put them in our grocery cart. Garlic. uh, These are things that we might see in short supply. So it's more because of where it originated. If a coronavirus had originated anywhere else in the world, we probably wouldn't see the same economic problems. It's because it's in China and China is important on so many different levels, being the second biggest economy. We've got Rubina Ahmed Hawk in studio with us, uh, personal finance expert. Do you look and say, the summer, because there's so many uh, intangibles, there's so many things that are hard to predict about where we are two months from now, three months from now with coronavirus. Are people, you're a parent like me, I think parents are hesitant to get their kids into overnight camps. I think they're hesitant maybe to plan a big trip, even even though they, they in a normal circumstance, they look at the price in gas and go, yeah, let's take that trip to, uh, out east now. Let's go to Montreal. Let's go. I think most parents are going to you know, basically pump the brakes on this for the next few weeks to see what 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 kind of circumstances we might be dealing with in July and August. That'll affect our tourism industry, won't it? I think that we are going to see definitely a drop, not only in tourism, but people even going out locally to restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, visiting our museums, visiting our local attractions. A lot of times people do staycations, and that in in that time we spend a lot of money because we go around the city and we spend our dollars here in our own in our own backyard. A lot of people may just decide, you know what, this summer let's just keep it close to home. Actually, add home. Uh, That's another big difference between SARS and coronavirus is that today we have social media, which is sort of exacerbating people's anxiety, making people feel more and more nervous. We can now read stories in real time about things happening all around the world, whereas during 2003, we really were just getting the information from the media, which was filtered through uh, experts and, you know, people at the WHO and government officials. So we got a little bit more of an academic or uh, uh, a more edited version of, of what we were hearing. But now we're hearing raw information from people who may or may not be spreading truth, but uh, we definitely are being affected by that, and I think that's going to keep people home this summer. And they trusted the media more. Look at you and I, very trustable people, very reliable, very <laughs> honest, very forthright. Uh, I, I think that's, yeah. That, I just that met you and I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> that existed in, in 2003. So, yeah, we well, let's let's double back to the volatility on the markets. Uh, impossible to re- predict for how long, but it, as are we sort of watching as U.S. stocks go Canadian stocks will be so, the economies are so intertwined and and everyone, there's that old phrase, uh, when the U.S. sneezes, you know, pardon the pun in this case, but when the U.S. sneezes, everybody else catches cold. So many companies here uh, are watching what happens in the U.S. And to your point, there's a higher level, obviously, of concern that they can, you know, uh, handle uh, coronavirus. The testing is increasing, but it was still really slow off the hop. And that's what set the, that's what set people's panic, uh, panic buttons uh, afire. 
So 75% of the trade that we do is with the U.S. So we sell our services and our goods more to the U.S. than we do with any other partners. So definitely, if that economy starts to slow down, those markets are affected. We will be affected, too, not just on the stock market, but small businesses across the country that rely on uh, selling their goods across the border. All of them will be affected. There may be layoffs. They may have to shorten the hours of some of their workers. So there might be some ripple effects that we start to feel maybe later in 2020 when businesses start to look at their numbers and say, we've got to do something because we're not no longer uh, viable at this at this level, producing at this level. Um, I think that one thing that people should de- definitely keep in mind is if you look at a chart of the S&P 500, um, if you look at it in September of 2019 and you look at it today, it's pretty much at the same level. So all the gains that were made were basically between September and uh, before March 9th. And so if you were invested for the long term, you are still making money. You just may not make as much money as if you had sold uh, three weeks ago. Mm. Last thing, as as an observer of just how we are reacting to this, what are some of your thoughts? Are we? Do, do you look at some of the mass cancellations in the U.S.? Do you look at universities telling their kids don't come back from spring break? Are we proper rea- properly reacting? Is is there sort of a uh, domino effect? We you know we've taken cancel culture to a whole new level. We're canceling a lot of stuff <laughs> out of concern as opposed to maybe the reality of of the likelihood of of you know catching COVID-19. Well, all of what you're saying is not good for business. So people being in their homes and being scared to go out is bad for business. It's bad for uh, the economy on every single level. I mean, we if we don't go out, we don't spend money. We don't give our tax dollars to the government. Services can no longer get funded. I mean, it just has so many different snowball effects. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even as a parent, I would say that, you know, proceed with caution. Uh, like I would say with the markets, proceed with caution. Uh, do the right things. Listen to the right officials. Get off social media. Media, uh, because I think a lot of people are reading things and they're they're internalizing them, and then that's that's you know turning into people standing in line for toilet paper, which I still don't quite understand what the toilet paper obsession is. But um, that's what I think is resulting in all this anxiety: is people stocking up on things and then just stopping spending after that. I bought it last night at Shoppers Drug Mart after tennis, and I I only bought one package, and I thought. Is someone going to look at me and think I'm, you know, going around to different stores and buying one package at each? I'm not hoarding it. I'm not. I didn't have to push any old ladies over to get it. It was it was an ample supply at Shoppers Drug Mart. I felt good about the purchase. I think if you have a bidet company, this would be a really good time for you to start uh, advertising that because I yeah. think that is a good alternative to toilet paper that people do not need to then worry about the supply anymore. If you're uh, on social media, if you don't take Rabina's advice, uh, she's on Twitter at Always Save Money, which will all be doing if we stay in our homes for the next six weeks so the irony is there in your uh, in your twitter handle yeah i mean if you are going to be staying home and saving money when we come out of this take some of that money and invest it that's right the markets will be lower and you probably will do better over time that's right what a pleasure having you and thanks very much for doing this thanks for having me it was good advice good advice to uh give uh, again as we were speaking federal government rolls out a one billion dollar funding package that's going to help the coping of our province every other province every territory with new coronavirus cases and and Canadian workers who have to isolate themselves. I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of spending on masks, a lot of spending on supplies for healthcare workers um, and the funding research as well. That's the longer shot. But that's the long game. you got to play the long game sometimes uh, in life and in health. Funding research for a vaccine, a big factor there. 